Hi, everybody. Welcome to our final episode. This is part three of a series in which we've been talking to some different free range coaches. Just to give you a little background, there are a number of different coaches who've gathered under the umbrella created by Terry Barkman. Terry is also known as the sailboat coach. And the umbrella that Terry has created is called free range coaching. Terry says that he was inspired to start the free range coaching group ever since he started sailboat coaching back in 2016. Starting his sailboat coaching company made him wonder if there were other people out there in the world, or in the wild, if you will, (laughs) that were coaching similar to the way he was doing it. And then in early 2021, after years of networking with coaches all over the world, Terry finally put the call out to the other coaches that he'd been talking to, to see if they might like start meeting in a mastermind type of setting to share their ideas, success stories, and challenges as a free range coach. Terry was having conversations with people who were asking him if they could coach in air balloons and canoes and on hiking trails. And he was inspired by these other coaches and wanted to create a venue for them to learn and to connect with each other. The coaches that we're going to hear from today in this order are Terry Barkman, Melissa Boychuk, Laura Justi, David Juracek, Kevin Venn, Amy Hackett-Jones, and then David's going to come back on and give us a few final words. In this episode, some of the things you'll learn are a formula for team building, tips on how to meet people, and how to prepare for worst case scenarios, and much, much more. Now, please help me welcome my first free range coach, the founder of the free range coaching group, Terry Barkman. I'm just wondering if you could provide one or two tips from your area of expertise. Do you have a formula or something that has really, it has really worked in your coaching or that you teach when you coach people on the boat? Yeah, the formula that we use for team building is something that we kind of almost stumbled on by accident. I mean, we were in coaching. We were being intentional about what we wanted to do with the personal growth trips. But what emerged out of those personal growth trips is the team building that happens when people are on a boat learning to live and sail and plan together. People always ask me, what if I'm not a good sailor? Or can I come on the trip if I'm not a good sailor? How many sailing courses do I have to take before I can do a sailboat coaching trip? And I always say it's great if you have done some sailing already and you want to just come out and have fun with us. It's also great if you haven't done any sailing at all because we can sail the boat and we can teach you. What really matters in your personal growth and also in your development of your team is attitude, communication, and teamwork. And skills are fourth. Hard skills, actually sailing the boat, actually building the widget. Still in the top four, but not ahead of attitude, not ahead of communication, not ahead of teamwork. And our curriculum arc in all trips incorporates acts. I love that companies and organizations are shifting towards skills are easy. We can teach you the skills. Uh, In fact, we're great at the skills. That's kind of how this company stays in business is by being good at those skills. And there's the famous saying, you can't teach attitude. 
I don't know if technically speaking that's true, but it's extraordinarily expensive. The cost of teaching attitude to somebody who does not want to learn it is just out of this world. I, I bet at, on the sailboat with my experience in sailing is that, and, and you know, normally when I have taught sailing and there's only been like two or three people in the boat, but you've got, what do you have, like up to eight people on, on the boat sometimes? or Yeah, we'd like to be eight or nine or ten. Somewhere in that range usually works well. Right. With, so with the right had, boat, it could be 12. So somebody's got a bad attitude or doesn't communicate well or isn't a team player or teachable, that's that's going to show up pretty quickly and, and have an impact, isn't it? The feedback loops are so short on the boat. Yeah. The communication breakdowns are obvious. Yeah. The attitude problems are clear. This is a place where you can really take your team and you can put it under the microscope in a good way to find out what isn't working and see what what do we have to do to get this team working at an optimal level. So our last question is just if you have any tips for us from your area of expertise. Do you have any tips for us as far as um, relationships are concerned? Yeah, I think if you want to get a boyfriend or a girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever, you have to start communicating. And the number one tip I always say is start acknowledging people, start talking to people like everything is so digital. Start acknowledging people when you're out and about. It doesn't matter if you're wearing a mask. You can still say hi. You can raise your eyebrows, smile, say hello. If you're in line somewhere, don't be on your phone the whole time. Like engage in a conversation. And even if the person like rejects you and is like annoyed that you're talking to them, okay, fine. No biggie. Then you can stop. But just be positive and acknowledge people. People love to be acknowledged. So say hi, ask them how their day is. Actually wait and listen for an answer. Compliment people. Just be friendly and you'll you'll see. You'll see how quickly things can evolve from literally saying, hey, how's it going? Especially if you are interested in someone and you see them all the time, same place. Acknowledge them. Look them in the eye and acknowledge them. So say hi, say smile, eye contact. And be friendly. Number one tip. Second tip um, is do something that you enjoy doing. And again, because I'm doing relationship and lifestyle coaching. So if you want to meet someone, join an activity that you truly have interest in. So like I said, I always tell my clients to join salsa if they truly have interest in it. And it's something that you want to learn if you're into music. Or get a membership at the art gallery if you're into the arts do something that you're gonna get something out of for yourself and you enjoy that experience because you're probably going to meet somebody else with that similar interest and things develop from there so be friendly which is great for a relationship too right if you're (laughs) you're meeting someone that's interested in something that you're interested in yeah yeah you start out with a shared interest right right to begin with absolutely yeah Yeah. so those are my two main tips so get out there and start meeting I'm wondering if just to close up here, if you could share a couple of tips from your area of expertise, it could be from sales and marketing. It could be something that you teach from your sailing experience to have some, something that you could just give it, share a little bit of your wisdom or expertise with us. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I would say that one of the main one also through sailing is just to, because most of the time people don't listen, don't watch what they do. I said, what are you doing? If you just pull a rope and it doesn't come, stop, look, uh, look up, look down. Why? What is, what, shocked? Why 
come, you know, for example. And this can be also a great metaphor of life because uh, eventually uh, on a sailing boat can be also dangerous. On the normal life, uh, if you don't pay attention to what you're doing, eventually you just fall down, or, but you can also hurt yourself. So it's uh, that's uh, something that it's really... Uh, a tip that I would like to share because more and more also with experience you realize that you need just to take your time evaluate the situation and also always ask yourself what can be now the the worst scenario if the situation is getting worse what I'm gonna do 90% of the time it's gonna be fine but if it's getting worse I need to have the plan B <laughs> to be ready and not eventually because, for example, if you uh, just uh, go from 15 to 40 knots of wind, if you reduce the mainsail, for example, in time, everything's going to be smooth, the crew is going to be safe. But if you wait, 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 uh, and then you need just to, to reduce the main with 40 knots of wind, the situation is different. So you need to prevent always and to have uh, always an eye ahead uh, to, to manage the situation. And for sure on a sailing boat is extreme because you have the, the, the force of the nature that proves you. And again, the wind and the wave needs to be your friends. They need to be with you, not, not, against, not against you because they, they, they win. There is no chance that you can just uh, overtake them. So... It's a really, really good uh, exercise uh, to be really efficient, uh, 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 assured in your daily life, planning and doing your, your things, your job, manage relationship with people and whatever. So that's what I feel to share with you about that. Excellent. So pay attention. That's a great life lesson. And also plan. I mean, people don't like thinking about maybe this isn't negative thinking. It's just reality, right? Like, and you yeah. have to do it on a boat is plan ahead. Like think about that, maybe what the worst case scenario could be so that you're, that actually helps you to be prepared. Yeah. To be prepared. And also, yeah. not to, to, to be sad about that. You, you, you didn't expect, for example, in any area of life. So something that can help you to be stronger when you need to face it eventually. So I'm wondering if you have like one or two tips that you could share with us from your area of expertise. <laughs> you mentioned work-life balance. It could have something to do with that or yeah. maybe some other area. What's, what's something you, you could share with our listeners? I find that getting out and trying something new, you know, whether it be a new food, a new restaurant, a new activity, a new sport, going out for a walk. You know, anything that is new and different or something that you haven't done in a while, I find that simple element and simple task and outdoor activity could really help to inspire you or keep you positive. And the other thing I think would really be to take some time for some self-reflection, see where you're at, see where you want to go, and don't worry necessarily too much about how to get somewhere just look at what is some small tangible step that you could do today for two to five minutes to help get you there. And if there's any any struggles along the way, I think uh, any one of the free range coaches on this platform would certainly be more than happy to help you facilitate that. But I think it's really important finding that first step and taking it and just allow yourself to do it 
a small baby step just so you get the rhythm and that excitement and that feedback from it to be like, oh, that wasn't that bad. That was easy. Let's keep going with this. So get out and do something new <laughs> and yeah. take baby steps. Yeah, baby good steps stuff. along the way. <laughs> right on. But maybe you could give us just a couple introductory tips to get us going. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Excellent. And some great, a couple tips for people is go try something on your own. You know, if there's something, if there's an activity or an adventure, you know, whether it be an expedition or traveling somewhere or an activity, you know, anywhere from cave diving to stand up paddle boarding, you know, deep sea fishing, horseback riding, you name it. If, if you've ever felt an interest or a draw or a desire towards that, go for it, go do it, go hire a professional. So you're in good hands, you know, who can train you, who can be there for you and give it a shot. Give it a try. That would be my first step. My second, my second piece of advice is to develop a sense of self-awareness. Become self-aware. And, and what I mean by that is not, not on a level of I'm a, I'm a thinking, breathing human and I know it, but rather gain a deeper sense of yourself, of, of the stories that you tell yourself, the, the, the unconscious thoughts that you, that, that you're, um, unconscious or subconscious mind tells you that drives your behaviors. And a couple of great books that I recommend to people are The Untethered Soul or The Power of Now. Fantastic books. You know, if 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 you don't have a greater sense of self-awareness after reading those books, then then I'm not quite sure what else to recommend other than working with a, a coach who can help you to develop that. Yeah. I'm just wondering if you have one or two tips from your own area of expertise that you could share with our listeners yeah i've got I, there, there's a couple that. so so one is about okay. peace and there's two there's lots of different angles to this so i'm going to take two one is i'm going to dive a little deeper into language and i'm going to dive a little deeper into listening because they took to the two of them form parts of uh of peace so my shamanic teacher once said to me, asked me the question. He was good at really asking really challenging questions. <laughs> and one of them was, where does the future lie? And he didn't give me an answer. I had to sit on a mountaintop and meditate on it for about three days. <laughs> it's, a, it's a brilliant question because whenever you ask somebody that question, where does the future lie? We always think the future is out there. It's somewhere there in the future. But actually, it's within us right here, because we co-create the future with the universe. Every moment, with every breath we take, every thought we have, every emotion we feel, we create the future. And so one of the most powerful things is language. Where does the future lie? The future lies in language. Because as we articulate the future, so it becomes. And if we talk about, we often hear people talking about, you know, the war on terror, the war on cancer, the, oh, I should do this, I should do that, I should do the other. Or here in England, if people ask you how you are, oh, fine, mustn't grumble. <laughs> like, that's it, that's your life. And so the conscious language is something that a chap, I discovered a chap called Robert Tennyson Stevens, who, who published a book called Conscious Language. And he's brought it down to a science of choosing the words that express our true intent, this is how he describes it, and knowing that our words are the quantum templates of health, abundance, peace, and relationships. 
So literally everything that we say, everything that we speak out into the world, is almost like casting a spell for how we are creating our our lives and our futures. And a lot of people, most people are not really conscious of the words that they use, which end up creating our our futures, our existence. And if we think about computers and operating systems, we upgrade our operating systems on our on our computers, but we very rarely are conscious enough to upgrade our operating systems in here, which is essentially language. And most of us self-sabotage in a lot of ways. We are unconscious of where our blind spots are. <laughs> and so imagine a human computer virus checker that finds all of those pesky viruses and limiting beliefs, lies, doubts, agreements with limitation that we all have and offers limitation to your awareness for upgrading. So this is how he he paints that picture. And so as you start becoming more conscious of the language that you use and the language that society uses, I mean, war on cancer, war on terror, war on this, war on that, <laughs> just what if we actually came to cancer with love? You know, cancer cells are here to bring us a message that something is out of alignment. What if we listen to that message. Listen to the body. The body never lies. You know, my my mother passed away from cancer. My brother had cancer and is still here. And I've had a number of friends who've who've gone with that over the last few years. So it's particularly changed my heart. And the you know the underlying emotions of cancer are anger and bitterness. And I did a, a talk once to a room full of cancer patients, and I'd prepared this whole you know talk about emotions and cancer and all sorts for a whole hour and then the organizer basically said to me sorry we've run over we've got half an hour not an hour so oh no and I thought what can I do instead of going through the structured presentation that I that I'd created and I just decided to tell a story and I told a story of my mother and her journey through cancer and how underneath her happy shiny veneer she was actually very angry and bitter about a particular situation in her life that she had not managed to let go of. And as I was talking about the anger and the bitterness as emotions to do with cancer, at the foundation of cancer, literally every single person in the room, you could just see them because I was honoring the emotion that they, you know, that anger isn't a pretty emotion to, to feel or to own up to feeling let alone bitterness. And just because I gave them the space and the platform within which to, to be present to their own anger or bitterness, it was just, it wasn't a dry eye in the house. And I realized then also that actually the power of storytelling is far more effective than death by PowerPoint. <laughs> so stories became my way of, of speaking in public from thereafter, because it's just, it's just so much more powerful and engaging every time. So yeah, be careful of the words that you use. It's, they're just so powerful and for the most part we are completely unconscious so yeah conscious language by robert tennyson stevens is, is a great book to to start looking into that and then the other thing i was going to mention was listening so there's three levels of of listening so the first list first level of listening is when we listen to our own in like our own internal stuff and we're, most people operate from here. We listen to other people sometimes, uh, but we focus on what it means for us. 
We appear to be listening and the spotlight is on ourselves, our thoughts, our judgments, our feelings and our conclusions about the other person. So level one listening is what I call it. It informs us about our world and ourselves. And most people operate here. Most teams, a lot of fairly unconscious leaders tend to operate here. So we're, we're speaking out there in the world, but actually we're only really listening to our own voices, to our own concerns. Then there's level two, which we call active listening. So this is where you put a sharp focus on the other person. And this is what I was doing mostly in, in Panama with these sessions. And your attention is really concentrated on being present to them, to their issues, to their concerns, their words and their emotions. And you, you notice here a lot more about what they say, how they say it, and also what they don't say. You're sort of listening for, what, for the unsaid. And then the third level of listening is what I call listening universe. So here you're open to receiving information from everything around you, as if both you, both, sorry, both people were at the center of the universe. So it's almost like a spider's web, and you've got all of these different bits of information around you from the universe, and the two of you almost like in a in a dance together as you listen deeply and you're not just listening to each other but you're listening to the world around you as well for input then that requires a quite a highly developed level of emotional intelligence and conscious awareness of connectivity and, and life force really so those are the three levels and like I said most people are at level one and it, it does take conscious sort of effort and training to, to really be present to and then to, to other people and then to be listening to out for the universe and, and the messages that we get and the signs from the, from the universe as well. So those, those would be two of my two of my top tips <laughs> or areas, <laughs> listening Great. and language. Is there anything that we haven't talked about as far as free range coaching that you want to you want to add? I think from what I've seen from other people and questions that I've had, I think from people at networking events and past clients and stuff that no matter what activity you're into, where you are in this world, what you would like to try new, there's an activity out there that could help you grow personally and professionally on so many levels. And I think also having, I mentioned this earlier, that mindset of if you're an avid cyclist or if you're an avid runner or avid anything is doing that, but having a mindset of growth and being more aware of surrounding versus being tucked down on your bike, trying to get to the end of the line or do your finish your loop is be a little bit more present in those actions you take and absorb everything that's around you. Because I find there's so much to learn from things that just pass us by when we get stuck in a routine of doing a, a similar activity. So I think that's uh, having a broader horizon on things and maybe slowing down the pace could uh, also be of uh, benefit for us all. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about free range coaching, go to freerangecoach.com. That's freerangecoach.com. And on the website, you'll be able to find out more information about free range coaching and also be introduced to some other free range coaches. Take good care.